McLean knows that I can get lost in that kind of stuff. So we are really excited today. I'm really excited today. I'm out of my mind excited to say to you, welcome home. Huh? That's what, that's what this is unbelievable. And so, and so welcome home, is, if there's nuance in this, and welcome home means we're, everybody here is excited, and there are lots of people who have been thinking about this place as their home for a long time, and so we're all just saying to each other, welcome home, but also I'm wanting to tee up for you to be thinking about the fact of your home. What is home for you? And what does home mean to you? We want, I want, you want, we want people to feel at home in a family of faith as, as sons and daughters of the King and followers of Jesus. And that's a part of what we want to try to accomplish. It's a three-week series called Welcome Home. Obviously, we started it today. And when we, I, I've had a little fun asking people just sort of, what's the first word that comes to mind when I say the, out loud to you the word home? And of several people in the last two weeks when I've been doing this, the very first word that came out of my mouth was warmth. And so I want you to know, it went to no extra expense to have the coldest day of the year so that you could come in here and feel nice and warm, okay? So, 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 um, uh, you don't know what just happened. It's got all these people going, do that. And I'm going, like, do what? I had to move my stand. Thank you. See, I'm, I get everything wrong all the time. So anyhow, welcome home. What does home mean for you? Well, lots of things probably come to mind. I mentioned warmth, probably a place where you feel accepted. Here's what I want you to feel about this place. I want you to feel like you can kick off your shoes and just do whatever you want to do here. It is not an accident that we have that great, big, huge, gigantic lobby. It wasn't cheap. <laughs> but you know what we can do out there? Hang out. We can connect with each other. In our world today, people think that because they're connected on social media that we're doing community, but no, -uh. we're getting duped. That, in here with each other and with God and out there with each other and God, we have a lot of room around here and t take over, make it yours. It's your home, welcome home to it. So the, in, this, in this thinking about home and about being welcome here, we, we want to say a couple of things. One of them is that home, it's easy to start out thinking about home as a place. And here we have this phenomenal place. It just blows my mind how awesome this place is. However, let me ask you to redirect your thinking a little bit and think about home as not as much a place as it is a who. Home, for us, is going to be about a who, and this is the place where we do some of where we connect with who. And the who, of course, is going to be the person, Jesus. It's going to be each other. Home is each other. What makes this building and this new place and all that's going on here from the, north, from the west end where all the little children are now all the way to this end, what makes a building a home is our connection with each other and with Jesus Christ. And we've slogan that around here as a way of capturing our vision. Real relationship, real transformation. And what we mean by that is this. Authentic, vulnerable, transparent relationships with each other and with Jesus Christ. When we do that, the next thing you know, our lives change. We start following Jesus and he makes us into new people. When we say, okay, Jesus, I want you to make me into a new person and I want you to send me on the mission you built me for. When that starts happening, we were made by God to be connected with each other. Yes, our faith is personal. 
Our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's never private. We do it together. And that's what's so exciting about being able to, for three weeks, think about what it means to be welcome and be welcomed and be at home. It's more, not so much aware, though this is a phenomenally magnificent where. It's more about a who. And that's the part of the what I want you to make sure you do not leave here today without investigating for yourself where, I am, where am I with the who. And that's what we want to do together. That's what we want to make sure we do. And one of the ways that we want to have ourselves embrace this new thing that we're doing here today is we, we have new stuff to show you. We have a new logo. And so here it comes up on the wall, a brand new logo. I want you to look at that thing. We're, we're excited about it. It has a bunch of stuff in it that I want to mention. Let, let me just do it this way. I want you to first see, this is me telling you what I see in this, this logo. You ready? Let's, the top of the arc. You with me? Look up right now. What we did with this room is we created some of what we had in what was downtown. And that, that building was the home, uh, the where, for 100 years, 1922 to 2022 when we sold. But notice we've got beams and we've got lanterns that, that quote architecturally downtown. But here's what I want you to think about. In the logo as well as in this room, you're being drawn into a sense of the of the. Uh, the transparent the the transcendence of God allow yourself when you come in here you choose to come in this place and you choose to say I am going to encounter God in there and I hope the architecture will help you get there so we have all the modern stuff with the cameras and the lights and the video and the sound. And we, I, th I think this is a magnificent creation of both some stuff that sort of has history and tradition with us as well as the new stuff that we know we want to do in the modern world. And that's how I want you to think about this building. Make it your home with God and allow this place to take you there. If you want to come over here one day in the middle of the week and sit in this room and pray or any one of the other rooms, you can do that. You just let us know. We'll let you in. But this is a room that I hope will draw you into a sense of God's presence. And we're, you're not a spectator. That's not what's going on in this room. That arch right up there says all of us, you, me, the band, all of us are performing, and there's an audience of one and there is where the audience of one let this take. So that's one thing I see in there. I see down here some hands. And those hands are wanting to hold on to people. I also see the thing I just called the arch. I think it looks like shoulders. And the hands now have become arms. And somebody is hugging somebody. And the somebody in the middle with the hands out like this, that's the person they're hugging. I see all that going on. I was having a little fun with it. And I see the thing. You know already the thing in the middle is a cross. But I, saw, I thought of it as a cactus with one of those Mexican hats on the top of it. <laughs> so see, you can play around. You ain't got to be serious all the time. You know what I'm saying? That's not, it's overrated, serious is. You know, it's, life is hard enough. So have a little fun with it. But here's where, I wanna, here's where I wanna settle in. In the middle of that symbol is a cross. And in the middle of that symbol, is that logo is a cross and it is empty. And that's the reason we're here. The cross behind me, it's empty. The cross out on the opposite wall here, which came from the sanctuary downtown, it's empty. That cross on the corner right outside, it's empty. We're celebrating the resurrection. The only reason we're here is because Jesus Christ is resurrected. He is alive. Here's what he is. He is the enthroned king of the universe. 
And you know what kings do? They reign, R-E-I-G-N. And Jesus Christ reigns over the universe and everything in it, including you and me individually. That's what's going on. And the third thing about the king who's enthroned and who reigns is he's looking for his loyal subjects to fall in love with him and serve him with allegiance and love. We are both loved by the king and we love the king back. And we don't, can't wait and this building is an, a, a phenomenal expression of how energy, intelligence, and time, all, and money, and everything went together to serve the king. But in your everyday life, where you live, where you work, where you play, where you study, where you have friends, where you go to school, you're being invited to be a loyal subject to the king. All of that's going, did you know all that was going on in that logo? <laughs> Let's, we got one more logo. This is the, next, the next thing I've been taught to say is called a badge. So it comes up next. And so we have First Pres Tampa, and then there's, there's the magnificent logo. You can have some fun thinking of things that that logo does for you. But notice we, our vision, our mission, real relationships, real transformation. I've already said enough about that to make sure we understand what that's about. This is what we're about. We, I have a bunch of stuff. We, you have, we have some stuff to give away this morning. This is a car magnet. It's the badge. We have lanyards. You can't, hear, you can't have one of these because these are for the people. If you come and you become a member of the Dream Team and you greet and you usher and you park cars and you serve and all that kind of stuff, you can have one, but I'm going to put it on. We have for you, here's the logo and here's the badge. It's a cookie. We have them for you out there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We have those for you. What else do I have up here? I got all kinds of goodies. We got little stickers. If you had a blank coffee cup, you could put this sticker on it and put it, put it somewhere on your car, whatever you want to do, put it. And then we have pins lots of pins and all this stuff is on there so when you go through and you're going to be invited in a few minutes to tour the building and guys are going to help you steal them steal these pins <laughs> there's a problem and the problem is this the problem is there there's a lot of people who don't have a sense of home I'm making an observation that I can experience personally in my own journey in life and faith, but I'm, t I'm just making an observation about your city, your neighborhoods, your communities, maybe your families. Folks don't have a sense of home, and let me, let me invite you to think about it this way. Today, and in the three-week series, we're going to call it spiritual homelessness. Let that phrase sink in right now. Spiritual homelessness. If home is a place where there's warmth and security and sustenance and rest and relaxation and recuperation and all those things. And if we add the layer of reality that is the spiritual layer, which is the layer of where God is, which is a, it permeates everything, then, then yeah, we, there's, a, there's a cultural thing going on, a, a, a reality about where we live. Here's people feel adrift. People feel untethered. I think people want a place, a home, where they can ask questions, where they can grow, where they can doubt. I think they want a place where they can share burdens with their friends and have their burdens be shared with. And in fact, I see the shoulders that are on that logo. I see those as shoulders of people bearing each other's troubles, difficulties, joys. Sorrows, bearing each other's burdens to use St. Paul's great language. And here's one final feature of home that people need desperately, and many of us don't want to admit it, don't know it. There's a part of us that's broken. 
There's a part of us that's resisting God and God's goodness. There's a part of us that wants to do it on our own. And we have shadows inside ourselves. And this family is a family where we also allow that to be a part of how we talk to each other. Very carefully with, and with confidentiality. But there's, you and I have a problem. And theologically, the problem gets described by a little three-letter word. It's called sin. But what that means is I can do this on my own, God. And then inevitably... When we leave God out, we do things and we end up hurting people. And there is always a relational vandalism with human beings who are broken. And we need a safe place where we can talk about who we are, where we can say it's the truth about me. Because why? It's, this, is, this is unbelievable. We get a fresh start. We get told, okay, thank you, you're, you're forgiven. That's what happens with people, but we're adrift. And if, we're, if, if I'm adrift, and if I have no safe place to tell the truth about myself or with all the other things, that's even worse. Here, here's what's true for me about those things that are hardest and about the things I resist the most. Here's what happens. I say to Jesus, I'm sorry. What have I done? And he says, son, I love you. If you can, fix it. Get up and go again. It's a fresh start. You can let it go. That's why the cross is empty. It's why it's empty in the logo. It's why it's empty behind me. It's why it's, all the crosses are empty because you are forgiven. And you need, wherever you are on your journey, moving from spiritual homelessness, moving from spiritual homelessness to finding a sense of home in your relationship with Jesus and his people, wherever you are, you have forgiveness. And there's no condemnation. No one's judging anybody. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's another thing that people out there who need forgiveness, they think they're going to get judged, condemned. No. That's not what happens. Not with Jesus. He hugs us. Broken people feel his love and run to him. So the problem, spiritual homelessness, watch how Jesus deals with it. This is really cool. Jesus has a, has a tremendous habit of making people who are spiritually homeless, making them feel at home. That's what he does. He loves them. And we're going to see this in this text that we're going to look at now. It comes from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus makes spiritually homeless people feel at home. And I want you to notice the spiritually homeless people in this text. And I want you to notice something else. Jesus, who really doesn't have a home of his own, he comes into your home, he comes into this guy's home, and makes himself at home, and makes the guy whose home it is feel at home. It's fantastic. So we're, Jesus addresses the spiritual lostness, homelessness. And he does it intimately, and he does it relationally, and he does it lovingly. And he's inviting you and me, wherever I am on this journey, to let it all go and trust him. So here we have this encounter between Jesus and some people who all, every person in this story is spiritually homeless. Watch carefully. Some of them know it. Some of them don't. He still loves them. Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large collector of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But... The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. 
Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Watch what my man says. Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If we could go back to the first slide. I want, to notice, I want you to notice a couple of things. Jesus sees a tax collector. His name is Levi. He gets a new name. He gets a new name. It's called Matthew. And it is ascribed to him the first book that you have in the New Testament. It's called Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four Gospels. Some, some people think that this man is the one that, that wrote it. If you've seen the movie The Chosen, this is portrayed really beautifully in that movie. I, so that's that. But he's a tax collector. So here's what we need to understand. It's, it's in ancient Israel, which is the same Israel we have today. And it's occupied by Rome. And these working class Jewish people, almost all of them worked six days a week. They had enough to eat and they had enough to drink, but they were sort of blue collar working poor. They, they hated the Romans because the Romans taxed them. And Levi is a Jewish person who's turned traitor and he's collecting the tax from his fellow Jews and giving it to the Romans. And of course, the way he, it's a Ponzi scheme. He's making money, he makes a cut of it. And he can charge whatever he wants, he takes whatever he wants, but he just has to give them per person whatever it is, 10, 10 drachmas. Levi, the, the Romans are loathed by the Jews, and Levi is loathed by his people. And I, I use your imaginations with me a little bit here. What would it be like to be Levi's mom and dad? How do you think they felt about their son? It, it, there's a sense in which he bailed on us. He betrays us. It's a sense in which he's dead. But Levi knows he's spiritually homeless. And why, so look what happens. Jesus says, follow me. Now, this is not the first time Levi had heard about Jesus. So we have the story is telescoped. But Jesus says, follow me. And here's the powerful thing that happens next. Look carefully at the words. Levi got up and left everything. And I got to thinking to myself, what everything did he leave? And you, you may be thinking that he left material things. That, 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 maybe he did, but here's what I know he left. He left behind the illusion of self-capability, self-dependence, self-independence, self-preservation. Levi left behind the, the false life he was living that somehow, because of his revenue stream, he could be a fulfilled human being. He said, this thing I'm doing ain't working. I'm lost. This guy looked me in the eye with love and I'm going with him. He left it behind. The mirage that he could somehow do life in a fulfilling way by himself. And he started to follow Jesus. Another thing in the story that may not be evident is Levi, because he had money, most people had really tiny little houses, real small. They had houses, but they were really small. It's, it's really small, small. Like you could get five of them up on this stage. But Levi would have had a bigger house. In fact, he would have had a big house with a big room where you could eat and then a courtyard where people would come who were hungry and you'd have a big banquet and the people would come knowing that they, they cooked way too much so they could give it to hungry people. And that's, that's where they go. They go to Levi's house, and he's got a big house, and he has money. He can throw a big party, and he does. So look what happens next. It says here in the next slide, it says that tax collectors and sinners were there. 
Jesus and Levi invited a bunch of spiritually homeless people to come and join them. And you know what? They felt Jesus' love. And it's as if Jesus is saying to them, look, Levi, you know that the way you were going about it didn't work. And you know if you keep going the way you're going, you know how it's going to turn out. You're already there. Try me. Jesus is inviting Levi into a life-giving new relationship with himself who made him and turned him into a new being. And that, and th- but the, the spiritual people who are homeless and know it, that's who they are. But there's a couple of people in the, in the story who are homeless and don't know it. It says here that the tax collectors, I mean the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complained now, in the Greek, in the Greek language, or the, the New Testament was written in Greek, ancient Greek. And in the New Testament, the verb that says they complained is an onomatopoeia. Pardon me for the gra- grammar lesson. Onomatopoeia. In other words, it sounds like what it means. So here's the word. You ready? Gongudzo. They're gongudzoing. They're grumbling. You can, and you can't say gongudzo without using your gut. You know, you got to say gongudzo. I can feel it in my belly right now. And so they're gongudzoing. They're, they are lost and they don't know it. And they are condemning these people that Jesus is loving. Just to be sure, when Jesus confronts them, you got to trust that they could sense that they were being invited also into laying aside the, the illusion of their self-capability. And they were being invited to follow him as well. Levi's life becomes dramatically different. He follows Jesus for the rest of his life. He gets transformed by Jesus. He goes on the mission of following Jesus and doing Jesus' work with Jesus and for Jesus and for the people. That's what happened to him. So here's, here's, here's a simple way we're finishing. Where are you? You can say to him, man, I'm lost. I need you. I want you. The words follow me are echoing through the world through this room, through your life right now. He wants you to follow him just the way you are. He's not condemning us. He's loving us. He is most certainly forgiving us and helping us see ourselves and the truth about us in a way that's safe, in a way that's home. Welcome home. I'm going to invite the band to jump up here behind me. And the band, what the band is going to do Uh, as the band is going to sing, we're going to sing one more song, and it's called Graves into Gardens. Friends, I want you to think about the logo. I want you to think about the empty cross. The spiritually homeless people's grave has become a garden because of the resurrection. That's what this song is about.